As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The COVID-19 pandemic claims another victim. This time, it could be Bucky Badger and the rest of the Big Ten football conference. Even as fall training camps get underway, it appears they are practicing for a season that isn't going to happen. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson. Amanda St. Hilaire is enjoying some much-deserved time away, and I am joined instead by a special guest making his first appearance on the Open Record podcast, Fox 6 Sports Director Tim Van Voren. Tim, welcome to Open Record. Maiden voyage, Brian. That's right. I'm extremely excited. All the things you have done, there aren't many firsts left for your illustrious career, but we're glad to have you on the podcast. And we are recording this, uh, for the record, on Monday evening, August 9th, for a podcast that will be released on Tuesday, August 10th. And Tim, the news just seems to be changing day by day, even hour by hour. We've been hearing now since really Sunday that the Big Ten was going to cancel or postpone the fall football season. And then the players and some coaches came out and said they're fighting to keep this season going. Where do things stand as we record on Monday night? What do you know? Thank you for stressing as we record, because this is a, this is a changing situation as all of this goes along. Um, and uh, I'll tell you what, Brian, the the situation is one that we're just monitoring uh, almost on a minute-by-minute basis. I saw a text from someone who has some pretty good contacts tonight in college football. Uh, and he said, Big Ten football's not dead yet. So maybe that's a, a little bit of hope. I don't know. I would say at this point, we're still hearing Big Ten football will be moved to the spring or canceled in its entirety. Four Big Ten coaches, at least four Big Ten coaches on Monday, were pushing to play Big Ten football this fall. And we're actually kind of contradicting the messages that their presidents were voting for and saying, we're going to, we'll look outside the conference if we need to play. Most notably Nebraska and their head coach, Scott Frost, very forward about saying, we'll find the options that we can for this football team. So uh, it's far from dead, I guess, is what I would say in terms of the issue, whether the season itself is dead, TBD. So, with the, we first started hearing about sort of the fate of the fall college sports season. If I recall, in terms of football, one of the first teams to say, we're out, University of Connecticut. UConn said, we're not going to play. And that started maybe this domino effect. What has happened since then in the in the recent days? Yeah, UConn was one of the first, if not the first, to go. But, the, you know, they're in a little bit of a different spot and they don't have the, the same money coming in. So I don't think people viewed them as... Uh, a traditional college football power, for instance, or even a traditional college football program. Uh, then the MAC conference went out, um, and a lot of their games are tied to Big Ten teams or other conferences playing, playing to make a lot of money 
by playing a team from a power conference. So they lost that opportunity when these conferences said we're going to play conference-only schedules. For instance, the Big Ten, we're going to play a conference-only schedule. We're not going to play the Miami of Ohio's of the world, the Buffalo's of the world. So those schools really had nowhere to turn. They, they uh, cut out their programs for the fall, and that's when the dominoes really started to go. Now, I would stress again, there's a major chasm between the Power Five teams, those are the Power Five conferences, the big money, the big TV teams, the uh, teams that are going to play for the college football playoff, that sort of thing, and the rest of Division One college football. So I don't think anybody at that Power Five level was all that worked up about the MAC conference or UConn or Old Dominion doing away with their programs for this year. But then you start to get Power Five conferences, the Big Ten or possibly the Pac-12 going, and that's a whole different animal. And, and for those who listen to our podcast and maybe aren't as familiar with the ins and outs of college football conferences, the Wisconsin Badgers are members of the Big Ten Conference. That is one of those five power conferences you talk about, one of the big ones with a lot of money, with a lot of prestige, and, and teams that compete for potentially national titles. Uh, the Badgers come into this season, I believe, what, ranked 12th in the country? Um, and, and a team that uh, if they're not going to the Rose Bowl or competing for the Rose Bowl, they're, they're in the conversation for the, the, the national championship many, many years. So for the Big Ten to be talking about canceling football, we could be talking about potentially college football, at least the, the big names we know, uh, off the radar for the fall. Is that right? Well, you're exactly right. And, and the other component of this for those Power Five conferences is that they make so much of their money for the entire athletic budget through football. So you're talking about, yes, the Badgers may not be playing football this fall, but what will the ripple effects be for the so-called Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports in a college athletic program? Wisconsin's had a lot of success with some of those programs. Obviously, a lot of uh, people are in school on scholarship or competing at the collegiate level in some of those other sports, men and women. And you're just not going to be able to fund those programs if you if that revenue stream dries up from college football. So there are a lot of complicating factors here. And obviously Madison is a is a state capital. You've been there many times, Brian. You know it's more than just a university town. In some of these situations, even in Power Five conferences, those college towns are absolutely dependent upon the income of a college a home college football season. I'm talking about some of those cities in the SEC, even some towns in the big 10 are so dependent on the revenue that the uh, that the collateral damage has to be a concern here as well. Well, and so the discussions we're hearing, and again, I'm going to keep reminding throughout this that we're recording this on Monday night, and, and who knows what the news will be if there's an official announcement coming Tuesday. There's no official announcement yet that the Big Ten season is off, but certainly the buzz appears to be headed that direction. As we look ahead toward what this could mean, um, you, you talk about the, the potential revenue losses. Just trying to imagine a fall football season uh, where Camp Randall is empty, State Street never picks up that, that game day buzz. What kind of an impact could this have on the psyche of a town like Madison with a whole season without football? Absolutely. Psyche, and you know, Madison's had a lot of... Um just a lot of physical damage with the protests and the like over the last several months as well. Uh, and, and still kind of reeling from some of that stuff. And, you know, summer in Madison is, uh, that, that's, that's where they take all the recruiting pictures, Brian, you know that, I mean, the, the chamber of commerce pictures, that's what you do in Madison in the summer. Um, and uh, that doesn't necessarily hold up for late fall and you're going to have no football there. Uh, it, it's just hard to imagine. It, it's just hard to get your, 
uh, your head around that concept as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then I mean, look at, look at uh, your television set in the fall. How many football games, if you flip through your channels, how many college football games can you find at any one time? 20? Uh, that, that's going to be a wasteland as well. Uh, so it, it's, just, uh, it's just remarkable. There's some new evidence, though, and I think this, this you know, needs to underline everything we're talking about. There's some new evidence that was released um, on Monday, Brian, talking about there's a heart condition that's been discovered and COVID positive, are we saying patients or people who've tested positive for COVID-19 may be more susceptible to this heart disease. It does affect uh, college age athletes. And, you know, maybe that needs to just be given more credence in this discussion, if indeed that research turns out to be correct. Well, you have to imagine that's part of the real challenge for these university presidents is in any anyone who's in this sort of decision making process as well. There's huge money in college football, and then there's just what the fans and the players want. You also have to consider the health of the players. And if if we're seeing this trend where there have been a number of college athletes that have had COVID-19, and then we're hearing that they have been diagnosed with this, it's myocarditis. This is a, a, a heart condition that is not unique to COVID-19, but appears to maybe have uh, a, a higher association with it. It certainly raised some concerns. If you have players who play in, a, in the college football season and then develop these heart conditions, you almost wonder what would be the legal ramifications for these conferences and these schools if they push ahead with something without putting health front and center. Well, I'm not surprised, Brian, you're asking the, the, the uh, pertinent questions here as we have a discussion like this. You're, you're terrific at that, and that's what people have to be thinking about. We talk about the economic impact of not playing football. What's the economic impact of the liability issues, the potential liability issues um, and legal issues that schools may face? The Detroit Free Press on Monday reported that Michigan and Michigan State will not play football in 2020. Now, Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh is, uh, is trying to go against that grain and still get that changed. But I think it is interesting to note that the president of Michigan, the president of Michigan State, both physicians, medical backgrounds. Imagine that in some of these boardrooms or whether they are virtual boardrooms, whatever they are, there are some heated discussions taking place by people who are passionate about wanting to play football and people who are passionate about wanting to protect their student athletes. And, and they all have uh, positive motivations in that regard, but sometimes those things come in conflict. And this is a year where we've seen uh, great motivations come in conflict all year long. It's really playing out in the sports world. Absolutely right. And Joe Burrow was the number one pick in the last uh, NFL draft, and he had such a great senior season, he elevated himself to that position. And he was on social media saying, I, I feel for these guys who are a year behind me now, I might be looking for a job if I hadn't had that opportunity a year ago to play my senior season in college. It, it's just unbelievable. And if you are a, a student athlete who's, who's um, impacted by this, you're, you're, the clock's ticking on your body anyway. So are you going to miss a season and still have an opportunity to play at the next level? Or are you going to miss a season and just not have the college experience, the college athletic experience that you were hoping for. Even the psychological uh, challenges, I guess, would be the word for situations like that. Well, and they're talking about if the fall season doesn't happen for the Big Ten and some of these other power conferences about postponing this until potentially the spring. As anyone who's been following this knows, the the clock we're really waiting to tick down is 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 on getting 
uh, a vaccine that might make it safer, where we might know who is is immune, who is protected, where the virus is. And, and is, there's some hope, I guess, that if we could get to spring, that maybe this will be something that's a little more under control. Maybe the numbers will be better. Maybe safety will be there. But that still raises questions because if, if there's a spring season, the NFL draft is in the spring and you've got players, I would imagine the marquee players from these big power conferences who are thinking of playing in the NFL, would they sit out? I mean, would, would the would college football lose some of its best players because they're getting ready for the NFL? I would certainly expect so. I mean, that's hypothetical, but I would certainly expect so. Brian, you're, you're uh, getting ready for the NFL and wait, no, I'll go through training camp in February and, and start up my college football season. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. Uh, and, you know, I don't think there's a guarantee just because you have more time that uh, it will necessarily be better in the spring. I think uh, most people surrounding football, NFL or college, uh, assumed it would be better in the fall and uh, had the benefit of time. I remember talking about, well, baseball, you know, doesn't have the benefit of time. Basketball doesn't have the benefit of time. Football does. Well, here we are and we're on the football season uh, and, and time hasn't really helped that situation at all. So. I don't think there's a guarantee it's better in the spring. I know Brian Gutekunst, the general manager of the Packers, was talking on Monday and said there will be a draft, and we're just going to have to go figure out how to get those players. But there will be a draft. That's the carrot that is dangling for these players who have the opportunity to play at the next level. Hey, if there's a draft, I'm going through all this rigmarole for college football. Uh, I would just sit here and say, Brian, as, as we're in, uh, in early August, anybody with the potential, any player with the potential of going to professional football, is going to eschew the opportunity to play in the spring. I just don't see it at all. We're talking about college football right now, but obviously, Tim, you closely follow the Packers, and and anyone who's a fan of football this fall is also wondering what's going to happen with the NFL. We've watched what's happened with the NBA, who's been able to keep players in the the Disney bubble, and they've been able to have a season and 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 keep things pretty well safe. Um, you can't really do that in the NFL with the huge rosters and you're not going to get all these football teams and players and staffs to, to play in a bubble somewhere. So there's going to be travel. There's going to be, obviously if anything happens, it looks like we're going to have a season without fans in the stands, but what is the likelihood we're going to see an NFL season? Uh, It's a tremendous question. Uh, There's incredible motivation to see one. We're not talking about college athletes here. We are talking about professionals who are making the choice to take on the risk of playing in, in this uh, COVID environment, uh, the money, you know, the NFL teams will lose something without having fans or full capacity in their stadiums, but the real money is the TV money. They can have a national television package uh, and have games. If college opens up the weekend, they can have games on Saturday. They could be across the board and make all kinds of money on TV, but can they keep it safe and can they keep it uh, somewhat equitable with teams not being out of action? That's a great question. Like so many things, whether it's a newsroom or a a neighborhood or whatever it might be, Brian, you're only as good as your weakest link. And I think that's the concern uh, for the NFL. You have one team that doesn't practice the the protocols to the same degree, or you have a couple guys on a team uh, that can, that can submarine your whole cause. And I would still say, even with baseball or basketball, we haven't seen that all the way play out. Say baseball, you get some of these teams, uh, toward the end, and they can see they're not going to the playoffs. You know, they're not living in a bubble. Are all those players or all those staffers going to maintain the protocols? We shall see. You're just talking about people, uh, you know, who may be tempted to not exercise absolute perfect judgment in all cases. 
Tim, you have been in this business a long time, and you've been the Fox 6 Sports Director now for a number of years. You have been around the block when it comes to the Packers, the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers. I know you've never seen anything like this in your sports career. What is it like as a sports reporter to be dealing with a year where there's been hardly any sports, and when the sports start to come back, you don't know how long they're going to be there? You know, that's a it's a it's a quandary really more than anything else, Brian, because we've had sports news even before we really had sports games. Now we have sports games. How much sporting news have we had about college football or the NFL? We don't, we don't even have games. So uh, you're talking about just different different aspects of the game, of the respective sports. It is nice to have live action with baseball and basketball back. To me, there's a routine to that. Even if you don't have fans at the ballpark, there's a game on every night. You, you can listen to Bob Euchre if you're driving in your car, that sort of thing. Uh, so I, I, you know, that part of it's great in the job we do. It's, it's become, it's zoom interview world. That's what it is. Um, you know, we're, we're getting access to a lot of people. It's not, it's rarely exclusive access, you know, and, and that's part of it too. Matt LaFleur makes a comment. Anybody who's on that zoom call is getting the same comment. You're not going to get something else. So you have to learn how to differentiate yourself and your coverage while getting the same sort of content, uh, that most of the other people in the situation are, are, acquiring so it's a challenge but a good one well you just went right to where i was which is sports reporting for so long the the great tradition of sports reporting has been about being in the locker room being there with the guys after the game and and hearing the comments the offhand comments getting maybe those one-on-one exclusives getting to know the players off camera off mic you don't have that kind of contact now. How does that change coverage, especially when you've got some of these younger players that come in who maybe you don't know as well, they don't know you? Is it tough to develop relationships with the people you're covering when you can't be there in person? It, it certainly is. There's no question. Obviously, as you said, if you've been in a market for a while, you've been around, you should have some contacts. And I, and I would like to say that I do uh, and can use those. Uh, you know, in coaching staffs or front offices or players in, in respect to the clubhouse and the locker room, whatever it might be. But you don't have those relationships. I've never met Jordan. Well, excuse me. I did meet and talk to Jordan Love at the NFL scouting combine, but I've never met uh, A.J. Dillon, for instance, who the Packers drafted in the second round, Josiah DeGuire, who they drafted in the third round. I've never met those uh, gentlemen. So not only do you not have a relationship with them yet, can they not see you the way you do your business, the way you talk to them? We've never even had an exchange in person. So um, that's where you need to really work hard to get to know people who may know them, that sort of thing, or reach out and, and, and establish some sort of relationship with them outside the normal channels that you would usually utilize. You know, we've talked about uh, how COVID has impacted so much of the sports world. And you look at, for instance, the NBA playing this sort of continued season from earlier on or, or the, the Major League Baseball with this shortened season of, of, of 60 games. Um, and I've he- heard some people say, well, if if the Bucks win the championship or if, if the Brewers were to win a World Series, would it really would it really be the same? Would it really count it? And I wonder in a, in a year where we're so devoid of sports, would it almost be an even bigger deal just because this is a year where everyone is craving, everyone is hungry for sports because there's been so little of it? Yeah, I I, th- I mean, to me, a championship's a championship. You're all playing on the same level playing field. So I, I'm OK with the, the baseball champion is the baseball champion. The basketball champion is the basketball champion. It's disappointing if you think back a year to the uh, just the galvanization in Milwaukee for the Bucks playoff run and people down. Uh, in the Deer District and at Pfizer Forum, and it's a it's a communal experience, and that of course would not be the same. You're not there in the arena. You're not spilling over outside the arena or outside the ballpark to share a championship. 
I definitely believe that the, uh, you know, the, the social distancing challenges would be, say, the Bucks go to the NBA Finals. You know, people going out to watch together at a sports bar or whatever it might be, those places are going to be absolutely packed as opposed to the actual facility. So I think it would be a championship. I do think it would be uh, a unique one, no question about it, for how you've achieved it and for how fans would appreciate it. But I do think there would be, um, you know, you know off-the-wall celebration if your team did it because, uh, as you said, there's just been such a, such a hunger for any type of moment like that to be able to celebrate. Now, to wrap things up, back to the top of what we talked about here is t- the, 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 the potential postponement of the Big Ten football season uh, either till next spring or all together. And it sounds like that's the way it's going. Again, we're recording this on Monday night. We don't know what news will come out on Tuesday before this podcast is published. But one of the things that came out on Monday was that there had been a vote of the 12 university presidents. And for those who don't know, even though it's called the Big Ten, there are 12 schools that are a part of it. And 10 of those 12 schools supposedly voted not to play this season. Now, there's been some, I believe a spokesperson for the league uh, came out and said, no, that vote didn't take place. But in the sourcing of that, there were two schools named that actually said they want to play. And I believe it, one of them was Nebraska. The other was maybe the University of Iowa. Is that okay? Hey, what have you heard from in terms of what the, the, the UW president or chancellor or what, what the university is saying? Did, were they clearly on the side of let's postpone this thing and, and, and wait till the spring? Or have you heard anything there? You know, they've been very cautious with even starting up their offseason program. My guess is and, and, and you're talking to some people, but right now everybody's pretty close lipped, uh, to be honest with you, Brian. Um, uh, my guess is that has been pretty unified on this and, and, and has been on the side of uh, being very conservative about playing, just looking at their actions, what has gone down. Uh, I'm not, you know, Paul Christ is not going to go out there and uh, be the coach who's leading some charge uh, the way maybe a Jim Harbaugh or a Scott Frost would. So that doesn't surprise me. And, and I think there's a, there's a symmetry between the athletic department, the university and the coaching staff there with Wisconsin football. Uh, I would say that um, I'm not surprised Wisconsin's not one of those teams that would be in that vote with only two voting uh, to play, or even with these uh, at least four coaches in the conference going out and, and almost openly campaigning to say, you know what, we'll play, a, we'll play a barnstorming schedule against whatever team in the ACC will have us uh, if we're allowed to do that. I would imagine that the the university or the football program wants to get some definitive answers one way or the other, because after delaying uh, camp and waiting to start until Monday, uh, you know, I'm sure they don't want to keep putting the players out there to practice if there's no season to practice for. Absolutely right. You risk injury. You risk, uh, you know, just what the focus is and the proper messaging out there on the field. Uh, you need some clarity here. There's no question about it. And, and we talked earlier about so many uh, folks who are affected by whatever decision is going to be made. So clarity is best. But as we've all learned through 2020, uh, you know, it's hard to speak with any absolute. Well, again, recording this Monday night, by the time the podcast is published Tuesday, we may know more definitive answers about the fate of the Big Ten football season. One thing that will not change no matter what is there will always be sports news and interest in sports here in the state of Wisconsin. And we are so grateful and lucky to have Tim Van Voren covering that sports for us. And and Tim, thankful to have you here on your maiden voyage on Open Record. Thanks for joining us tonight. 
you can't have a second appearance until you have a first. So I look forward That's to right. the next <laughs> All right. And we're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss or an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email at WITI underscore the investigators at Fox.com. That's WITI underscore the investigators at Fox.com. And of course, thanks to the people who make this podcast possible, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't done so already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson, and we'll be back with our next regularly scheduled episode on Thursday. Thursday.